Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Good morning, church. Man, how are you today? You're good, 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 good. Man, um, it's funny how, like, um, when the weather's really nice, how much full the first service is. Because people are like, oh, we're going to go do stuff today. And so it was about even today. So thank you for um, but coming and being a part of the service. If you're, well, if you're new today, I want to welcome you. I'm Pastor Randall. And uh, thank you for being here. If you've been gone for a while, thanks for coming back. And if you're online worshiping with us, I want to welcome you and thank you for worshiping with us today. And, and uh, I want to invite you to come to worship with us in person again someday. So thank you guys for being here. Um, and if you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and get it out. We're going to be in John chapter chapter 8. John chapter 8. Deanna, something's going on with this light. It's going, oh, you're going to reset it? Okay. Thank you. She is already on top of it. Um, thank you guys for being here. Like I said, um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get out. John chapter 8. As we were singing that song, Great is Your Faithfulness, it just made me think of how thankful and faithful, how thankful I am to Jesus' faithfulness in my life. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, just, I was on my way here this morning just driving, thinking about you guys, thinking about our church, thinking about the leaders of our church, the staff of our church, the elders of our church, thinking about people serving and doing different things in all the different areas. And I was just overwhelmed. I was blessed just thinking about how grateful I am for God's faithfulness in my own life. And to get to serve one of our heart's desires, Dana and I's heart's desire, was to move to a place and serve in a church for a long time. And God's allowed us to be here for 18 years serving as the, you know, in leadership here. And it's just been such a blessing to be able to do that. So thank you for that opportunity to do that. So I've got a question for you this morning. Um, how many of you have ever, like, misunderstood someone and it cost you something? It cost you dearly, right? You ever done that? I mean, we all have. If you text, you have probably done that. Because how many texting will get us in trouble, won't it? I mean, you text something and, and you just, and you mean it one way and they hear it a different way or somebody texts you and then you, and you just are like, what are they saying? And then you, you know, I, we kind of got a thing in our, with our staff now because I've gotten myself in so trouble so many times of texting things and, and they, and responding we're like, let's have conversations, real conversations on the phone or in the room so that we are all clear and can understand each other. I mean, I've texted things. Dana has texted me stuff before, and I'm just like, what in the world? Well, she's the meanest woman alive. And she's being sweet. I had no idea, right? I mean, and I'm sure you've done the same things of text things and going across the wrong way. Or even when you're sitting in the same room with somebody, it's still easy to misunderstand someone, isn't it? To like have uh, misconceive what they're saying, what they're implied, or you know what they're saying. Because sometimes people, and maybe you're one of these. How many of you can feel a certain way, but your your face is saying something different? You know what I'm saying? Huh? Yeah, maybe that's you, and so you can be read the wrong way, <laughs> and, and you get a misunderstanding. Well, here's what I want us to see today, and kind of lay, lay the whole foundation for this: is that um, misunderstandings lead to misjudgments. When we 
misunderstand somebody, we make a judgment about them, and it can cause us pain, cause us to miss out, hurt relationships, and it keeps us from what God intends for us. So um, we all deal with these misunderstandings, every single one of us, and it's important that we have clear understanding of who people are, who they are, and what they are saying. And here's why. Because the depth of our understanding of a person determines the richness of our connection with them. The better we understand them, the better we can connect with them and the more impact they can have on our life. This isn't true in your romantic relationships. It's true in your friendships. It's true in your coworkers, you know, your church community. The better you understand, the better you can have a connection and the better, more impact they can have on your life. Now, it's also true with our relationship with Jesus. If we have misunderstandings, misconceived ideas, misunderstandings, it leads to misjudgments and it causes us to miss out. And so the whole idea of what we're going to talk about today is this idea of getting to know Jesus clearly, understanding who he reveals himself to be and then do it and pursuing him in that. And that's what we're going to go to, we're going to do, we're going to try to push through some misunderstandings and I'm going to help you to recognize some maybe some misunderstandings in your own life because I bet today Everybody here has some misconception or misunderstanding of Jesus. Would you be honest about that? Probably yes, right? And would you say, yeah, I'm probably, if you're not going to be willing to say that, you need to humble yourself a little bit. Because you know what the scripture tells us? It says this, that one day in eternity, we will know him as he knows us, but we don't know him perfectly yet. And our job is to continue to pursue him and get to know him through the scriptures. That's how we're going to get into the scriptures today. We're going to see some misconceptions and misunderstandings that they had that kept them from him. And I bet a lot of us have the same ones, okay? So I'm going to pray. And here's what I want you to pray this morning. I want you to ask God, Lord, would you help me to see my misunderstandings and misconceptions about you so I can know you clearly and better? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the word. We thank you that it is a light that reveals things in our life. It guides our steps, but it also leads us to you. So Lord, would you reveal with your voice, give us ears to hear your voice and reveal to us misunderstandings and misconceptions we may have about you. Would you help us to see those things that are, are not correct. And Lord, would you help us to understand the truth from a lie and walk in the truth. And Lord, open our hearts to what you want to do to in our hearts in life today. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for teaching us. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We invite you, Holy Spirit, in our presence, in our midst today to do what only you can do in our life, in our hearts Would you do more than we ever thought possible or even conceive in our minds? Lord, open us up to you. Get me out of the way and be a conduit of your spirit now today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're gonna be in John 8 and verse 48 in just a second. Let me set it it up for you. 
We've been going through the book of John, kind of in this book of John, chapter 8, it's got a lot in it. We saw at the beginning of it where there was a woman who was caught in adultery, and, um, and, but even this whole setting is where Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles, and he's preaching, and he's proclaiming truth, and every time he says something, they get some pushback and conflict, and they're trying to catch him in lies. They bring a woman caught in adultery and, and say, Jesus, what do you say? Shouldn't we kill her? And he's like, hey, the first one of you guys who've committed sin, not committed any sin, then you throw the stone. And so they walk away. Then he talks about being light. He says, I am the light of the world. We talked about how, what that means for Jesus to guide our life and be light. And we saw last week how Jesus said, I, I, am, I am the truth. You know, he said, and if the truth sets you free, you will be truly free indeed if you follow him. So he saw that and what that means last week to hold to his teaching and be free. And so some people believe, and so, but some people are still pushing back, and there's some who believe but have misconceptions about him. So Jesus, and they get into this argument about who Jesus is, and he's trying to help them see clearly, but they don't get it. So let's see what happens and what we can learn from this. So John 8 and verse 48. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Both wrong. We'll talk about those in a second. I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. He's referring to the father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they exclaim, now, now we know that you are demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets, yet you say whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing, but my father, who you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I know him and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Hear the sarcasm. Listen, he's very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, what does he say, church? I am. That's important. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up the stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. All right, we're going to stop right there with this reading, but let's talk about what it means. So to give you a summary of this, Jesus makes a bunch of statements about who he is and following him and Abraham, he talks about all this stuff, and, and they don't get it. They misunderstand what he's saying. Their hearts are closed to it. Their minds are closed to it. They have these preconceived ideas of who he is and what God has promised, and they miss the whole picture because they, they misunderstand it. And because they misunderstand it, what do they do? They literally are like, you're crazy, and they pick up rocks, and they want to stone Jesus. So they're chasing him. Can you imagine chasing Jesus with rocks, Right? I mean, but they chase him with rocks, and, and, and I love how, you know, we think of Jesus as just being peaceful. Oh, he's like, I forgive you guys. No, he ran, and he hid. Sometimes there's a place to hang around. Sometimes you know when it's time to hide, and it wasn't Jesus' time yet, and so he went and got out of there, but it all goes back to what? Misunderstanding of who Jesus revealed himself to be, and so uh, we can be just like that. 
We can be just like that. See, we can come with our own misunderstandings of who Jesus is. Maybe it's the way we were raised. Maybe it's what we were taught. Maybe it's who we've been listening to lately, the church you've been in, or lack of church you've been in, or what you just got from media or TV. And we all come to this idea of who Jesus is, and uh, it's not always correct. As a matter of fact, most of the time, it's not what the Scripture reveals it to be. And until we get to this place where we see him as he is revealed truly, we won't understand him or be able to have a deep relationship with him. See, Jesus is the key. He's the key that unlocks, and we understand him. We, when we understand him, it unlocks like this truth and the relationship that God wants us to have. Now, keys are important, aren't they? This morning, I love our, youth, our student pastor, Dan. He's great, but, but Dan is a forgetful guy. And you guys know him if you know Dan. So he, uh, this morning, his wife was leading worship, and Courtney did a great job. And I came in, and I'm like, where's Courtney? And she's like, oh, she had to go home and pick up Dan. I said, oh, their car broken down? No, he, for, he lost his keys and can't get them, so she had to go pick them all back up. Now, here's the deal. When you lose, you know, a sign of genius is losing your keys. Anybody, who, who are the geniuses today? All right, yeah, right here, right? So that's kind of a, like a halfway compliment of Dan, but... He lost the keys, and so he couldn't get here, and it's the truth, and I, and I embarrassed him in the first service, and we had a good time with it, but he, um, when you don't have the key, you can't get where you need to be, and when you don't understand who Jesus is, you can't get to this relationship that you're supposed to have with him, and that he wants you to have, to have him directing your life and leading you into where all that meat, all that's supposed to take you. So we have to get back to a clear understanding and to have that clear key that unlocks that, and that's what I want us to do. So these halfway believers, and then some skeptics, they couldn't understand. They had three things they could not understand, and they misunderstood, and we do the same thing. And I want to point them out to you. First thing they misunderstood is this. They misunderstood his origin. What did they say? They said, you're a Samaritan. He's not, a, he's not from Samaria. And that was a cut, and a, like a cut at him, because Samaritans were like half-breeds, and they didn't like Samaritans. So they make a cut at him, right? They say, you're a Samaritan, and you're demon-possessed. So they didn't have any idea who he really was. He was completely not any of those things. And so, and for many today, we also have these misconceived ideas about who Jesus is. See, some people today, you think this, oh, Jesus was just, he's like a historical figure that has some good things to say. And you might put him up there with like Abraham Lincoln. He's just a good guy, right? That lived and makes some difference in people's lives and he teaches some things and he was good. Or maybe he's a good philosopher and you like some of his philosophy. So you put him along with some historical philosophers and you have these preconceived ideas about who he is that he could not be a God. He, who could be God and come and live among us? So you just put him along with every other man, but some good ones. And he's just, that's who he is for you. And you miss out on the fact that he, of who he truly is. You miss out on the relationship that could be with God the creator because he's just another good guy to you. And if that's the way you look at him, then you're not going to have that relationship. You're missing the key. Now, the other thing they missed is this. They, um, they missed his authority. They misunderstood his authority in their life. Jesus said this. He said, my words, if you hold to my words then you'll never taste death. They could not get this idea that Jesus's words had authority, that, that, that they had authority over his, their life. So they doubted and they had skepticism and it prevented them from, from, from being transformed by those words. 
And there's the same thing today. There's many who doubt Jesus' authority. They think, oh, Jesus, well, he was this historical figure, but in his teachings, yeah, there's just some good ones in there. Like, love your neighbor, the golden rule, you know, that's good stuff. Forgive people. You know, th- those are some good teachings, and, but you don't take his words as authority in your life. That what he says is true, and I don't change what he says, I let it change me. So the authority that they didn't get it, and so he says, well, if you don't hold to my teachings, you don't know freedom. If you don't hold to my teachings, you're not going to know life, eternal life, and they can't get it. And so they push back, like your words, they're nothing. And many today treat Jesus's words, they treat the Bible and what it reveals and what Jesus had to say is just another teaching, but not as authority in their life. Maybe that's you. You're thinking, well, no, I do, but we're going to see if we really do in a minute. But then they do this. They doubt his identity. They misunderstand his identity. See, Jesus reveals to him, he says, before Abraham even was, I am. Now, they understood that statement because if you go back to the Old Testament, that idea of how, how did God reveal himself as I am. So they go back, they're like, he's, he's relating himself to, G, to the Father. He is not him. And then he goes on to say, listen, before Abraham even was, and he says this, Abraham saw me and was looking to this day. See, what he was referencing is this, that Abraham was given a promise. Now, if you go back, you don't know the Old Testament, I'll give you a little background. Abraham was chosen by God to, to be a man that blessed <laughs> millions, even billions, God comes to him one day and says, I'm going to bless you. And your descendants are going to be as numerous as the sands of the seas. And you know who those people are? It's the Israelites today, which we need to be praying for, right? It's, and all of those who would come by faith. But he, they, we don't always understand that. And they didn't understand that completely. But anyway, Jesus says, I mean, God says, I'm going to bless you and you're going to have descendants. But here's the deal. Abraham didn't have a child, how am I descendants going to be blessed if I don't have a child? Until late in life, when Mary was beyond childbearing age, and so was he, and God blesses them with a child, right? And so he, so he has this child, and now he has this baby, and he's like, wow, God's going to bless me through this. And then God shows up one day and says to him, I want you to take your son, Isaac, and I want you to go sacrifice him sacrifice him. I'm going to tell you where to go, but take off, gather the wood. We're going to, I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, what kind of incredible faith does that take? You're going to bless me even though my child's death and through, how are you going to do that? But he goes off and he goes on this journey for three days. He finds the mountain where God says, now go up here and sacrifice him. He goes up, he makes an altar, stacks the rock up, puts the, the limbs and the timber on top of it sets Isaac on top, ties him up, sets him on top of it, takes the knife, and when he goes to kill his son and sacrifice him, God interrupts and says, no, stop, I see your faith. I will provide a sacrificial lamb. He saves him, takes the lamb, he looks over, and there's a lamb in, <laughs> caught in the bush, and he goes and he takes him and he sacrifices him. But that picture is a picture that God would provide, and Abraham saw God's provision, and it was a picture of God providing a sacrificial lamb in the future. And here's what Jesus is saying. 
I am the one who Abraham was looking for. I'm that lamb. And they don't get it. And today, there's many who think Jesus was a good man, a good teacher, great philosopher, kind and all that. But they miss him as the Messiah who came to save people from their sins. They don't get it, and they just recognize him as one of the, one of the good gods and whatever, and, and they just kind of select, a, you know, he's just, he's just one of them. He's one of those religious figures, good teacher, but they miss him as the salvation of the world. Maybe that's you. You see Jesus as a certain way, but not the salvation of the world. Well, Jesus reveals himself to be the one that God has promised to send to save us from our sins. So, see, these guys, they, they had pretty much... They had this image of Jesus that they liked. You know what Jesus they liked? They liked the one who um, provided bread for them when they were hungry. Remember that story from a few months ago? They liked that Jesus. They'd follow him wherever he went. Give us more bread. They liked the Jesus that healed people. They loved that Jesus. They had this idea of who he was. They liked the people that forgives. They liked that one. But the Jesus who calls us to believe, to have authority in their life, and to trust that he came from God, they're like, whoa, we don't get that God. You know what they had done? They had customized Jesus to their liking. Customized Jesus to their liking. Now, today in our culture, man, you can customize your car however you want, right? Some of y'all, y'all go all about it, right? You, you, you got your car, James? You got your, your, car, your, uh, your truck, you got it customized. I've got a Jeep. I like it pretty ordinary, but I see some people going down the road in their Jeeps and they got those things jacked up, right? And you have to have a ladder to get up in them. They've got angry faces on the front of them that look like, oh, that's an angry Jeep. <laughs> and they got pink stuff on them, you know, green stuff. They got whatever. And you're like, what is that? Is that even a Jeep anymore? They got it customized. And people come to Jesus the same way. They're like, I want Jesus customized to my liking. I want the Jesus that has a lot of grace. I, don't give me the, the Jesus that talks about repentance. I don't like that one. I'll take the, the uh, grace custom Jesus. I want the Jesus that, uh, that um, you know, just is open to everybody. I want, the, I want the Jesus that just everybody come in. When we, when, hey, when it all said and done, everybody's going to be in heaven. I want that Jesus because the Jesus that limits himself, that's not the Jesus I want. You could just go through the list and people customize. And listen, if we aren't careful, even though you're in the church, you can customize Jesus to your liking. And if he's in exactly the God you like and he does not offend you in anything, you don't have a clear understanding of who he is if, that's, if you have a customized Jesus. See, I had that growing up. I, you know, I Went to a, great, a good church. They loved, we loved Jesus, and it was awesome. We're making a difference and impacting people's lives. But the majority of what I heard was a lot of rules, a lot of laws, a lot of just, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And if you don't go out and knock on people's doors every Tuesday night and tell them that Jesus loves them, then, man, you must not love Jesus. You know, anybody else grow up in a church like that? A lot of heaviness, like, oh, condemnation. And then I, you know, went off to college and seminary and all that. Then I heard about a whole other Jesus that is full of grace. 
See, I got the Jesus of truth when I was growing up, but I didn't hear a lot of grace. And then I found out, oh, there's actually Jesus of grace because that's actually the way in John 1, he reveals himself as he came in grace and what? Truth. So now I have a better, deeper understanding of law and grace and mercy and justice and repentance and all that and how they work together. But if you're only one-sided, you've customized yourself, you're a Jesus to your liking. See, some We have to get to the place where we actually are constantly seeking to accurately understand who Jesus is. If we don't, we miss out. What do we need to do? Church, it's this. What do you take away from this? What's the lesson you can take from this if you don't want to end up missing who Jesus is? What do we do? We go and seek him. We seek to clearly understand him. How do we do that? Well, let me show you. Let me give you some practical things you can do to seek him and understand him. First thing we have to do is since we recognize that, hey, we're not perfect, we don't get a, always have a clear picture, we need to do this. We need to reflect and adjust. So we reflect on what we think and we make adjustments along the way. And here's how we do that. The best ways to get to truth is to ask great questions. And the best questions, man, you can, let me give you some good questions. Here's some. The first one, ask yourself this. If you want to find out if you're accurately seeing Jesus for who he is, is this. Ask yourself, am I selectively embracing his teachings? Be like, oh, I like this one. I don't like that one. I don't like that story. I do like this one. You know, there's some script you just kind of have your Bible within the Bible that you read. A few stories in there or whatever. There are certain teachings or commandments of Jesus that you find more comfortable to follow while conveniently ignoring others that challenge me or my lifestyle. Do you find yourself doing that? I think we probably all do. There's some we lean towards, some we tend to like. You know, for years here at the church, I would teach um, series on Sunday mornings. We'd do a series, four weeks on something, and four weeks on that. And what ended up happening is we just taught, I just taught series that I liked, <laughs> ones that I liked. But God really began to move in my heart about this. And some of you come and say, well, I want to hear a series on this because you like that topic. You want, I want to hear a series on this. And I get comments all the time. But what I have found is if we just actually go to the scriptures and let the scriptures guide what we're learning like we are going through John, it challenges us to hear things we may not like challenged us to go into areas of our heart and mind and examine ourselves. Recently, there's been some controversy in the Christian world about um, some, some famous pastors, and I've already had people come up and ask me, what do you think, what do you think? About saying, this pastor said, Jesus never drew lines. He only drew circles and included everybody in his circles. Well, you know what? Jesus did that. But if I know my Bible, Jesus drew a lot of lines. Anybody agree with that? You know what he said? He said, choose today who you're going to follow. He said, take up your cross and follow me. That sounds like a pretty clear line, right? He told the woman we saw the other day, you know, in the cult and adultery, he said, hey, go and stop sinning. Does that sound like a line? Yeah, those are lines. There's lines all through the scriptures. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. What I need to do? He said this, go sell everything and make me pretty much your Lord and follow me. That's a clear line. Jesus didn't just say, hey, do what you want to come and pick what you want to do. Let's all, we're going to have one big unicorn party. Let's go. 
not what he said, right? It's important that we not come to select the scriptures we like, but let the scriptures speak for themselves. The second question would be this. Is my image of Jesus based on scripture or preference? What do you prefer? Kind of the same idea, but do I picture Jesus in a way that aligns with my personal preferences, biases, or cultural norms rather than relying on the portrayal of Jesus in the Bible? Is your Jesus white, church? Is your Jesus, you know, does he do certain things, speak a different way, so, you know, whatever? Do you have your own image of Jesus and you come with your preconceived ideas, say, this is Jesus, based on your own preference. And Jesus talks like this, and he does this thing, and this is the way he treats people, or is it based on scripture? How about this? Do I mold Jesus to my morality? Am I adjusting my understanding of Jesus to match my personal moral compass rather than allowing his teachings to shape and guide my morality? Listen, what we see in the church today is a lot of people saying, my, I don't agree with the scriptures. I'm going to change that and let it, I'm going to mold Jesus into who I think he should be. It's all over. And all it takes, listen to somebody with a little charisma and a little right saying and saying it the right way and everything's set just right. And the next thing you know, you've bought into this idea of molding Jesus to your morality. Last one, am I willing to follow even when it's uncomfortable? When Jesus calls me to actions or attitudes that challenge my comfort zone, am I willing to follow? Or do I resist and seek a more convenient interpretation? When it comes to, when Jesus says, you forgive as much as you have been forgiven, you're like, oh, did he really say that? I, well, you don't know what I've been through. Jesus wasn't talking about that in this situation. When the scripture talks about being faithful and loyal to your spouse until death do you part, you're like, oh, but I'm not happy. I'm not happy in this. Well, God really wants me to be happy. Have you just molded Jesus to your morality? Which Jesus do you have? Have you customized him to your liking? So ask those questions, reflect on them, and then make adjustments. Second thing we have to do is this. We have to cultivate humility. Recognizing, like, they, these guys were too proudful, prideful, they couldn't come and recognize Jesus' authority in their life. But if we're going to let Jesus change us and open us up and have the best, best understanding, we have to approach the scriptures with humility, saying, All right, I'm not God. I don't understand it all. I'm not the authority. He's the authority. And allowing the scriptures to have a place of authority in our life, letting it direct our life. Fine. And then, the last one. You have to guard your mind. If you want to seek him and know him constantly and know him better, you have to always guard your mind. Why? Because it's important. Listen, we have to discern whether the voices you're hearing align with biblical teachings. And today, more than ever, we have access to so much false information. 
heresy, things that would not line with scriptures. You have every preacher you can imagine. You have everybody who thinks they're, you know, aligned with God, who has a message. They can put it on a podcast. They can write a book. You can do anything you want. It's right there. You can just pull it up and like, oh, wow, look. Oh, I didn't know that's who Jesus is. You know why? Because that's not who Jesus is. And we're called to guard our mind and guard our heart because out of it flows the wellspring of life. And we guard it and putting on the helmet of salvation every day saying, Lord, don't let anything come in that's not truth into this, this brain of mine. Because what we listen to, we eventually begin to believe. I had a guy that I poured my life into for many years and was like a son to me and, and felt called to go do something ministry and decided he was going to go off to a... Um, a very, like a very liberal school. And I warned him, I said, listen, man, you're gonna go, you're gonna get around all these people, you're gonna hear all kinds of things that do not align with scripture, and I can tell you what you're gonna turn out like. And he, um, he said, no, that's not gonna be me. So he goes off, gets out there, gets to this place, and I slowly saw him begin to, from a guy who would teach the scriptures, who would speak it and share his faith, get to come to a guy who doesn't even worship the same Jesus I know. And we were sitting down for coffee a few couple years ago, and he said, I'm writing my PhD on this thing, and it's totally it's not aligned with scriptures. And he said, but I want you to read this book, and I think it'd be really good. I'm writing this book on it too, and I want you to read it. And I said, no. I just stopped him right there. I said, listen, here's the difference between you and me. I said, um, I believe the Bible to be true, and you don't. You don't. So the foundation of what you're saying doesn't even have any, doesn't speak into me. And I'm very careful about what I allow into my mind. And I'm going to ask this question, is what you're teaching aligning with scriptures? And I know it doesn't because you don't believe it. And so often, listen, church, we, we will pie into anything. You know why? Because somebody with charisma, some pastor got up with a lot of charisma and said all these right things, but it mixed in with that charisma some half-truths that lead you astray. It happens every day. Or some friend that likes you and friends with you and they start putting little faults in your mind and, you know, and before you know it, you're like, is that really what God says? Sounds a little bit like Eve when she heard little half-truths. We have to guard our mind and come back and find out who I'm listening to, aligning themselves with biblical teachings. Anybody remember Kmart? Kmart, right? Remember those? We had one here, and I, I never got to see it. It was before our time. But there was a Kmart over in uh, Marietta, near where I grew up. Some of y'all remember that Kmart. And um, I remember being in there with my parents when I was real little, because we were down there a lot. And, and we uh, was walking around with my dad and mom and dad and had a good time holding on to my dad's hand going through the store, you know, and, and I still remember, I still remember the front of that Kmart had like this big round half entrance on the front of it. We come outside the Kmart, we come up to the curb and, you know, I'm holding my dad's hand. We're looking at the cars and, you know, come by and get ready to walk. And I'm just taking my hand, I'm looking around at the cars and, and uh, something got my attention, distracted me a little bit or whatever. And then I reach back up, car passes, reach out and start walking with my dad. And we get about halfway down the aisle and I look up and it's not my dad. You ever done that? I did that with my kids sometimes just to get them to learn a lesson, right? It's not my dad. And I'm like, what? And I look over, and my dad's on the other side of the parking lot, like just laughing. He's watching the whole thing. 
But so many of us, we think, oh, you know, we get a little distracted from messages or whatever, and they'll think, and we think we're holding on to the hand of the Father when we're holding on to a lie. It's not the God of the Bible. It is not the Jesus who reveals himself. You have customized your God to your liking, and you're missing out. To truly know freedom, to see him as light, is to hold to his teachings. Let them guide you. Let them change you. Don't mold, don't mold him to you. You mold yourself to him. He says, then those who know my teachings, they will never know death. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you, do you believe Jesus, his origin, that he is the son of God who came to this earth? Do you believe his word to be an authority in your life? Do you believe that he is the Messiah sent to die for your sins? And by placing your faith and trust in him, you are born again. That's who Jesus reveals himself to be in this scripture. When we get to that place, that's when we holding on to the right hand. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we, we love you. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the power of your word and how it challenges us, it changes us, it reveals to us things. And Lord, we asked at the beginning of this sermon to, to show us preconceived ideas and misconceptions and misunderstandings that we have about you. Now that we've heard your word, would you, would you show us now? Are we selecting things about you we like and rejecting others? Are we customizing you to our liking? Here's what I want to challenge you, church, to do to continually seek to understand and accurately understand Jesus. Some of you have been believers a long time. You're like, oh, I get it. I understand it. But are you continuously seeking? Because you'll never know and grasp how who he holy, how holy is and how powerful he is if you cease to keep seeking him, keep seeking him, keep finding truth, keep looking to him. Keep examining your heart to ask God if there's anything that misconception that he ha you have about him. Keep guarding your heart. Some of you, you've listened, you've let down your guard. You're listening to people, you're letting things in that are slowly eating away at what you know is the truth in your life. Take this morning as a heed from God to say, come back, seek me, know me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to ask this question right now. Ask this of God. Father, what, what preconceived ideas and misunderstandings do I have of you that I need to get clear on? How have I customized my faith to fit me? And listen.
keep praying, you keep listening. When God reveals it to you and shows you something, then respond in faith and repentance and forgiveness and gratitude. But maybe this morning you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never come to this place. You've just thought of Jesus as a good moral teacher, somebody, just another man, but you've never really recognized that he is the son of God who came to this earth to die for your sins, to make a way for you to have a relationship with God. And now what you have to do is put your faith in him and trust in him. Have you done that? And right now the, I'm, the, the invitation is to put your faith in him, to seek to know him, put your faith in him. By doing this and saying this to him right now, I'll say, God, I'll open my heart to you. I open my heart and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who has authority in my life and who died for my sins. Now help me to follow you. You just prayed that, man. That's the most powerful prayer you'll ever pray. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you. During this next song, there's a little white envelope in the seat in front of you and the little baskets. Take that out. Write your name on the inside of it. I want you to write down, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. We're going to follow up with you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to help you understand what that means to now get to know and seek God. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing what you've done already. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.